0: Hello and welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Sarah. And I'm Ben. Thanks for listening to
1: us today. How are you doing, Ben? I don't know, Sarah. It's a nice sunny day out, and I'm trying to keep focused on that. We're slowly melting in this heat. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad because, like, I'm sure there are people for whom this temperature would just be, like... Normal. ...comfortable. Yeah. Because I know that there are some places right now where it's... Worse. ...much worse. I
0: don't know how to survive the sun, Ben.
1: Yeah, you aren't adapted for it.
0: I am not. What are we watching today, Ben?
1: Well, today, Sarah, we are watching Torture Ship.
0: Now, is that like a ship of torture? Or is that like a type of abusive relationship? You know? Like. <laughs> like, like or, or, or like I have.
1: There's like your honorship. ship. Right, it's the title of someone who interrogates people, like yeah, your torture ship. Exactly. The Lord High Interrogator. Or Lordess, Lady. Sure, yes. Uh, Don't want to (laughs) gender-essentialize the torturers' industry. Totally. No, it's like a boat on which torture happens. Ah. Presumably. Presumably. The reason why I say presumably is because Torture Ship is a Victor Halperin movie. And the last time we saw a Victor Halperin movie, it was 1936's Revolt of the Zombies. Which had no zombies. And very little revolt.
0: Yeah, well, there was a revolt at the yeah, end. Yeah, it was the
1: last five minutes but of the movie.
0: But hey, <clears throat> it still had it. Got it under the wire.
1: Sure. So this movie may have a ship. It may have torture. We're going to be lucky if it has both. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Um, so we didn't really care for that movie. No. Uh, and neither did audiences. Victor's next film, uh, later that same year, was Racing Blood. And he directed it under a pseudonym, Rex Hale. That's a good
0: fake name.
1: Yeah. Uh, in 1937, he had his final collaboration with his brother Edward, a film called Nation of Flame.
0: They were really good with titles.
1: That's true. Nation of Flame was a movie about a gang of real estate con man criminals <laughs> who swindle a town by forming a Ku Klux Klan-style organization oh, in the God. town to encourage the town to, like, hate all outsiders.
0: Okay.
1: They're the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was Ed Halpern's last film. He retired after that. <laughs> um, and so from there on, Victor had to go it alone. With horror back in style in Hollywood in 1939, um, he sort of figured he'd... Give this genre, which he had never really liked in the first place, but had been... Mildly successful? Yeah, his only real successes had taken place in this genre. uh white zombie and to a much lesser extent supernatural. So he figured he'd give it one more shot. Uh, to do so, he teamed up with Producers Distributing Corporation. <laughs> um, a company which would later go on to be known as the... Producers Releasing Corporation, or PRC.
0: Accurate name. PRC,
1: uh, or as it was originally known, PDC, had been founded earlier that same year by exhibitor Ben Judel, producer Sigmund Neufeld, and his brother, director Sam Neufeld. And PRC was perhaps the bottom rung of the Poverty Row B-movie ladder. Um, It didn't really get any lower than this without you being in kind of the territory of like a Dwayne Esper making like exploitation movies that you're funding with like bingo raffles on the weekend kind of thing. From 1939 to 1946, PRC produced 179 films and never spent more than $100,000 on any of them
0: as someone who doesn't really know much about budgets for film what can, can you give me like a comparison or something like well like what does 100,000 dollars i guess we'll see what it looks like on film
1: we'll see what much less than 100,000 dollars looked like 100,000 dollars was like a PRC mega blockbuster you know okay um to give a comparison that's i guess period appropriate Son of Frankenstein, uh, earlier this year, had cost $420,000. So, like a quarter of that is the most that a PRC movie would have spent on it. Yeah, it's just not a lot of money. Um, PRC's whole strategy was pump out content, don't spend a lot of money on any of it, flood the market, make your money back on just like bulk, I guess. Okay. And it was a kind of strategy that really only worked in this period of Hollywood. We've talked about Poverty Row films and we've talked about B-movies on the show in the past. And I just want to take a moment here to maybe re-clarify what that really meant in the period for people who aren't familiar with what literal B-movies were. Okay. Because I think we use that phrase a lot today to describe a certain kind of movie without realizing that it It really did mean something at one point in the thirties and the forties before television, really, you know, a Saturday matinee program at the theater was a newsreel, a cartoon short, uh, maybe a chapter of a serial, uh, an A picture, which is what you paid kind of to get in to see and a B picture. And that was the whole program at the theater and theaters didn't run, you know, theaters had one screen. You didn't have multiplexes, so this is what was showing at this time, right? And so the need to have programming to fill that kind of schedule and fill those slots created a need for these cheap B-movies that could be tacked on to the A-picture.
0: Kind of like how right now we have like endless amounts of TV time that channels need to fill, hence the... Alarming amount of reality TV garbage. Right, exactly. And just like pumping out because you need to fill the time. And yeah. there's only so many times
1: you can rerun Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. And and TV is really what saw eventually the end of the B-movie. It It took a while. But the kind of content that got made into B-movies at this period was, you know, cheap garbage. And now that sort of content ended up becoming either made-for-TV movies, and then eventually, like, straight-to-video movies, and now it's, like, straight-to-streaming movies, Mm -hmm. right? Torture Ship was the second production from the Producers Distributing Corporation. Uh, The company's first film, which was directed by Sam Neufeld, was an anti-Nazi exploitation film called (gasps) Adolf Hitler, The Beast of Berlin. Uh, that was Love it. That was all about how the Nazis were bad, actually.
0: Yeah, America was, like, super into Nazis.
1: Yeah, they were real late to the Nazis are bad, actually, party. The movie got uh, mixed reviews from critics, some of whom said that, like, this kind of inflammatory material, you know, might incite, like, violence, like, in America on the home front, and, like, we shouldn't be provoking people and this kind of thing. Um, But the movie was super financially successful, which allowed PRC to... Make this movie. Right. So Beast of Berlin came out October 8th, 20 days before this movie came (laughs) out. None of Victor Halperin's former crew uh, followed him to PRC and Torture Ship. Uh, In addition to losing his brother's support, none of his writers came with him, and neither did his longtime cinematographer, Arthur Martinelli. Instead, Torture Ship was written by uncredited writers um, who specialized in B-movie product. These guys, one of them, this is his only movie he ever worked on. The other is the kind of guy who clearly was just writing like a script a day, you know? And just (laughs) pumping them out. Whatever. You know? Gotta get them (laughs) bills paid. The crew was much the same sort of uh, deal. You know, none of these are distinguished artists these are working technicians and craftsmen
0: which are valuable just the same for sure Um, just to be clear
1: to listeners for sure in an attempt to give the project an appearance of respectability while it bears no credit for who wrote the movie it does bear a credit that says it is suggested by the short story a thousand deaths by Jack London and normally This is where I would throw it over to you for the customary coverage of the author and the original story. But I'm just going to stop that process before it gets started by saying this movie has nothing to do with that story at all. (laughs) Other than that the plots of both involve the concept of experimenting. Like Harry Potter could be more accurately called a remake of The Breakfast Club then this could be called an adaptation of A Thousand Deaths.
0: <laughs> well, it's not adapting, it's suggested by. Right. So I get the feeling that, you know, these working writers were just down at the public library perusing the titles, you know, walking through A Thousand Deaths. Hmm. Where could you do that? On a ship. Torture ship.
1: Yeah, I, it's not even that close. Like, there's <laughs> not even that much relation between the plots at all. It's just there to say, it's Jack London, it's respectable. So, this movie's cast consists of B-movie stalwarts, Uh, you've got Lyle Talbot, Irving Pitchell, and Jacqueline Wells in the lead roles. Lyle Talbot was born in 1902, he left home at 17 to become a traveling stage actor. Uh, He went to Hollywood in 1931 at the start of the sound era and won a contract with Warner Brothers. And was off to a promising start of his career uh, until in 1933 or 34, uh, he became a co-founder of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, and that really hurt his career. Mm. He worked very hard on his union activities, and that led to Warner Brothers dropping him from his contract. And so Talbot developed a career not as the leading man he had been groomed to be, but as a character actor with a policy of never turning down a role once it had been offered to him. Uh, he would appear in more than 150 films before the end of his career. He's very familiar. If you've watched B-movies, uh, we're going to be seeing him again on this program. <laughs> Frequently? Um, yeah, he might be perhaps most notable as the first live-action incarnation of Commissioner Gordon in 1949's Batman and Robin, and the first live-action incarnation of Lex Luthor in 1950's Adam Man vs. Superman. I mean, that's kind of cool. The last time we saw Irving Pitchell was as Sandor in Dracula's Daughter.
0: Oh, yeah, the really gothy, buff guy.
1: Yeah, Uh, he had continued to act in low-budget pictures uh, in the time since, Um, And this movie came out sort of just prior to his signing with 20th Century Fox as a director uh, and sort of switching over his career, uh, which we discussed in the Dracula's Daughter episode. Um, He would direct a lot of anti-Nazi movies during the war and then later get targeted by the House Un-American Activities Committee in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Jacqueline Wells is another returning site for us. Yeah, her name is
0: familiar, but I can't place her.
1: We last saw her as the female lead in 1934's The Black Cat.
0: Right. Uh,
1: She was in the midst of a long string of B-movies at this time, Uh, still two years out from her name change to Julie Bishop and contract with Warner Brothers that would sort of help reinvigorate her career somewhat. So, Torture Ship was released by the Producers Distributing Corporation on October 28th, 1939. Victor Halperin would only make two more movies after this. Uh, Buried Alive, a prison drama uh, later that same year, and Girl's Town, a romantic drama in 1942. He passed away in 1983 at the age of 87, two years after his brother Edward. And I have no information. On what he did in the intervening 40 years.
0: Like I said, Buried Alive, Girls Town, good names.
1: Yeah, always good titles. Yeah. Not always good movies. But hey, White Zombie, decent movie. Yeah. Alright, it's fun. So, Torture Ship is in the public domain. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, you can also find it on several cheap DVDs, but really, you can also just go to our YouTube playlist and watch it there for free, so... So go
0: do that. Uh, You can find that playlist at our website, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. You are going to hear a brief musical interlude while we watch Torture Ship by Victor Halperin from 1939.
1: See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back, everyone, to Scream Scene. We just finished watching Torture Ship.
0: Finished enduring Torture Ship.
1: From 1939, directed by Victor Halperin.
0: I mean, someone has to point the camera.
1: At, yes.
0: (laughs) This movie is so bad, Ben.
1: Yeah, this is...
0: Who would have thunk it?
1: This is barely... Anything. Competent. No, it's not competent. It's barely a movie.
0: They had a budget of $100?
1: Maybe more than that.
0: $200?
1: More than that, but not much more. (laughs) Let's not keep
0: guessing.
1: (laughs) $201? Is it Price is Right rules? Yeah. Okay. Gotta
0: Price is Right this shit. Right. So for folks who wanted to watch along with us, I just have a quick disclaimer for you that apparently every copy of this movie online, be it YouTube, YouTube, Internet Archive, what have you, um, all of them are missing the first about ten minutes of the film. So it just kind of drops you right in after the credits, which Mm -hmm. was very odd because given the way that the rest of the movie is edited, it could have just been how it did. Yeah. Yeah, but Ben, I understand that you found out why that is.
1: Yeah, so what is missing from every copy of this movie is the first 11 minutes exactly, which if you ever learned anything about how films were projected back in the day when they were on film, you'd be able to successfully guess is the first reel. The entire (laughs) first reel.
0: I guess except for the credits.
1: Yes. So the reason for that is that when movies started being shown on TV, major Hollywood studios did not let their movies get shown because they were afraid of competition with TV re-releasing old hits in theaters was big business for Hollywood. And if you could just stay home and watch on TV, why would you go to the theater? Um, For a long time, major Hollywood movies showing up on TV was, like, a big deal. Which
0: is funny, because now, like, we see the theater being like, oh, we're showing Casablanca on the big screen again. Yeah. And it's kind of like a novelty thing to go to the theater to see these old films now.
1: For sure. So when early television was looking for movies to program to TV, their only options were foreign, like, import films or, like, old B-movies from not-major studios, like Producers Releasing Corporation. Now, the full runtime of Torture's Ship was 57 minutes. In order to fit the movie into an hour-long runtime on TV with room for commercials, it needs to run, like, 11 minutes shorter than that.
0: Uh, So they just... They just cut the first
1: reel. Normally when you cut movies for TV, you'd go in and put some effort in. (laughs) Um, In this case, they just took out the entire first reel and just left it like that. And because nobody cares about Torture Ship as a movie, it's not like anyone has gone back to look for that first reel and restore the film. So that's just kind of the movie as we have it. Okay. See, here I
0: thought you were going to be like... It was the code, because of, like, showing how these criminals were getting around the law system.
1: Nah, it's just, just business. Just business. Which is, it's...
0: It's just business.
1: Which is, it's really problematic that that's the part of this movie that's missing, because this movie's premise is so... Convoluted. And buck wild, that not having the part of the movie that sets up that premise, just dropping you right in, it, it... Really puts you in this odd spot. Yeah.
0: The part that we miss mm-hmm. is Dr. Herbert Stander.
1: This is Irving Pitchell's character.
0: He faces indictment for illegally doing experiments on people. Yes. The purpose of which is him trying to use endocrine? Endocrine. Endocrine? Endocrine. To cure criminality.
1: Yeah, he thinks that, like, being a criminal comes from, like, the endocrine system and, like, the adrenal glands and that you can, like, remove that from people and they won't be criminals anymore. Mm
0: -hmm. Which, I mean, it's not like that kind of pseudoscience wasn't being tried out. Yeah. You know, with the brain surgery carving out parts of your frontal lobe or whatever.
1: Yeah, lobotomies to try and do similar things were very popular at this period.
0: Yeah, so it's not like a totally out of the blue situation over here. Um, Now, because he faces indictment, he's like, Oh, fuck. How am I going to continue my experiments? Oh, right. International waters mean no laws. (laughs) He offers seven murderers, so other criminals, facing execution, a boat ride to another country. But the only caveat being, on this ride... Let me do some experimentin' on you. You know, yeah. let, me, let me do some experimentin'.
1: You're gonna escape the justice system. I get to poke holes in you.
0: And, like, if you die, it's like an if. You got a 50-50 chance of surviving this. Versus if you stay here...
1: They're gonna kill you.
0: Yeah, exactly. So these criminals are like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, Of these criminals, one is known as Poison Mary... Because she poisons people. Mm -hmm. Um, And her secretary, Joan. (laughs) Because it was like an insurance company. I I don't need to go into those details, but that's why there's a secretary. Um, Also along for the boat ride is Dr. Standard's nephew, Bob.
1: Yeah, he's like an officer on the boat.
0: Yeah, they refer to him as Captain. Bob Bennett. So these experiments aren't going super well, and criminals keep dying. Yeah. So uh, the living criminals keep trying to revolt or start a mutiny um, to, you know, not be killed uh, to no avail.
1: It's it's like in the middle of one of these let's have a mutiny discussions that you get dropped into the movie, by the way.
0: Yeah, they, like there's no establishing shot. Like, I mean, I doubt that they had an actual boat given these sets. But like, yeah, it's it's something.
1: Yeah, um, we never see the boat. We never see, like, a full shot of the boat. It's just, like, these sets that have no effort at all to make it look like there's, like, wave motion and just, like, a rear-projected bit of water, and that's it. Yeah.
0: One experiment leads Dr. Stander to correctly identify the chemical which induces criminal behavior. So in order to confirm that this is what he's found, he decides to test it on someone who has no criminal (laughs) tendencies. (laughs) His nephew, Bob! And it works. Yep. Yep. Side note, Joan and Bob have been, like, getting buddy-buddy all up in here. Anyways, that's just a side note.
1: Dr. Strander is, like, really concerned with it, though. He keeps asking them and bringing it up in every scene. Like, are you guys in love? (laughs) I don't know why.
0: (laughs) Ah, yes. I noticed you were attracted to her. (laughs) Actual line from the movie. Uh, Stander's final test is to kind of find the antidote slash cure to this chemical. Meanwhile, because of this experiment on Bob, not because he's a criminal now, but because he's like, my own uncle did this to me. I will let loose the criminals, go with them, and make a mutiny. I don't know how to use... Is mutiny a verb? They do a mutiny. (laughs) Uh, During which the doctor is shot... And, of course, Bob is betrayed by the criminals.
1: Right. You gave crooks, like, psychotic murderous crooks, a gun. Like, these aren't, like, gangsters who are running, like, booze or something. Like, they're specifically, like, serial killers.
0: Yeah. So as the criminals run the boat, Bob tricks them into thinking that they are going to die without another injection, allowing the good guys to overpower the bad ones and win. Also, before being shot... The doctor wanted to test the antidote, so he experimented on Poison Mary. And she is cured of criminality. She even explains how she wants to turn herself in. And she's been born again. And the doctor dies right after hearing that his experiments and theories were correct. Uh, So then the movie ends with three days to land. All's well, and Bob and Joan plan to be married. The end.
1: Okay, so... Listen, this this movie's real bad. It's so bad. I mean, when I say that, I mean it's poorly shot. It's there
0: are times where people are either so tall, or, just or the framed. cameraman, they're is just, just so bad. short that the tops of their heads are cut off by the screen.
1: Yeah, no one's framed up properly. Everything's shot really proscenium style.
0: They had a single lamp for lighting. Yeah,
1: like, they keep, like, you can tell that Halperin's, like, trying to do dramatic horror movie lighting, but it really is as if they just have, like, a desk lamp slightly off camera, like, pointed up at people to try and get a shadow somewhere. The sets are awful. The music is just library cues getting dropped in and out, which is delightfully hilarious but not maybe what they were going for the fight scenes are bad the acting is across the board atrocious the writing is just a series of non-sequitur lines one after the other that don't connect to anything like at one point the doctor's worried about whether the experiment on mary has worked or not and he says something like you know if this fails all of my research is lost, or something like that. And one of his assistants says, what do you mean by that, doctor? And he says, we'll have to turn back. And, and that's the whole conversation. I still don't know what he meant by that first thing.
0: Well, because he'd have to go back to the U.S. and face indictment.
1: Or just go to some other country and not, like... Sure, what, what, sure Yeah, sure, it's just like... Sure. The, the, the dialogue is, you know, it goes from things being super intense to super casual... Oh yeah, and there's a character who I didn't even mention. I don't know his name, but I think
0: he's supposed to be Swedish. And he's the comic relief. And yeah. I don't know how this movie got past the code, because the code is like, you don't make fun of different ethnicities, and these guys are making fun of him being Swedish.
1: Yeah, it's, he's like the janitor on the ship, and the entire joke with him is that he speaks English funny. Yeah. That's his whole joke. But more than I think anything else... And I'm willing to give that this was exasperated by the fact that we got dropped in the way we were. Fair. But more than anything else, this movie is edited like a drunk edited this. Or, or like at least that the editor didn't have a copy of the script. He was just handed a bucket of footage and told, make a story out of this. Because there's just such weird choices.
0: Yeah. Mary. Poison Mary. Mary. Um, as she will be referred to, goes to attack Joan because she thinks Joan turned her in, um, despite apparently helping her get out and get to the boat. Anyways, I don't know why you keep giving these caveats. They're not important. Mary goes to attack Joan. They fight in a way that you're like, did did Halpin see Sex Maniac? Yeah. You know?
1: This and then, whole movie has kind of that feel. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then, like, Bob comes in, stops the fight, and, like, there's still action going on, and we fade to Joan and Bob in a completely different location, talking about, like, wow, we're on a boat doing experiments.
1: There's a there's an old um, film editing term called cut to seagulls, which is the idea that if you need you go from one shot to another and you don't have a good transition to, like, cut to some B-roll of the sky or seagulls or whatever to just give you something to go in between. In this movie, that's cut to the helmsman to remind (laughs) us we're on a boat because there's just so many scenes where we just, something amazingly intense, theoretically, is happening, and then we cut to the helmsman, just do-do-do-do-do-do, and then we cut to some other scene. One thing that really stuck out to me was, like, When Bob's in criminal mode after he's gotten the criminal injection, he chases Joan into her room like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Like, excitement or whatever. And then we kind of cut to, like, some completely unrelated scene about the other criminals on the boat going around doing stuff for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. And it's not, like, there to build the tension, whereas an audience member, you're like, oh, but what's happening to Joan? It's just the editor's forgotten. And then we kind of get back to them eventually. Like, there's so much stuff like that. There's a square wipe at yeah, one
0: point. Yeah, when Bob is in criminal mode, uh, he comes out of, like, a door and walks towards the camera. At the same time as, like, like a square wipe from the bottom comes up uh, for him, like, coming upstairs. But when he goes up the stairs, his back is to us. It's... So it was like the editor being like, I don't know yeah i'll I'll simulate him walking up the stairs because he's walking right at
1: you access of action gets broken um, and if you don't know what that is in filmmaking there's a general principle about the direction that things take place in so if a character's in a room and they're moving from left to right to go to a door and they open a door and you cut to the hallway, they should come out of that door on the left hand of the screen and continue moving the same direction otherwise the audience gets confused about how you know, spaces are laid out in the story. But people in this movie, like, move left to right out of a room and then we cut to them going right to left into the hall. Like, it's incompetent.
0: Yeah. So, do you feel like this is a horror movie? Yes. Okay.
1: So, here's what I wanted to get at was, even if... I'll back up for a second. The thing that's really frustrating about this movie is I think there's a good horror movie idea at the center of it, just absolutely no one involved was capable of pulling it off. Because I think the idea of like a mad scientist who's going to experiment on a bunch of people, and they're trapped with him on a boat, and there's you know nothing they can do about it. Um, but those people are also serial killers, so they're also dangerous. You know, and there's just a couple of normies thrown in here. That's a really good idea for a story you can get a lot of tension and drama and excitement out of it there's all these scenes of people getting taken against their will to go get experimented on and i mean given the actual history of the medical community's occasionally tenuous relationship with patient consent when it comes time for experimental surgeries on like women and people with mental health disorders and all kinds of stuff like that I found this movie genuinely horrific, if not for the fact that it's also super... Terrible. Yeah, it's poorly made. But the basic premise is very horrific, and you can tell in certain scenes, you know, when the killers, uh, that is the criminals, are out and about, or when Bob has been turned into a psychotic, or, you know, etc., that the movie is trying to be scary. It it just lacks the means. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it is horror. Even if it was well made though, it would still be bad. And the reason I feel that way is it would still have a very central flaw that I find super disgusting and distasteful about it, which is
0: this... that criminality is inherent.
1: Not even that, like I can I can kinda of forgive that because that was the medical thinking at the time. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, that's icky. It's the fact that this movie can't fucking decide whether the doctor is, like, evil or good, basically. Like, where he's got these people on this boat, and he's doing super unethical experiments and tying people down and capturing them and, you know, injecting them full of crap and, and you know, oh, I'm gonna turn my nephew evil just for shits and giggles. And if he assaults this other woman like whatever I'm gonna give her a lobotomy anyways like super crazy and we know that at that point in the movie we're supposed to like think the doctor's evil because our hero leads like a revolution against him basically right but then it turns out he was right all along and Mary's like oh I'm good now and like the doctor's like oh I I can die peacefully now that I know that my stuff was right. And then, like, our hero turns to one of the doc's assistants and is like, now you can carry on his work. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. So is the thesis of this movie that, like, unethical human experimentation is justified if it turns out to be right in the end? Because, like, my guys, it's 1939, and that viewpoint's gonna get real bad in, like, six years when y'all figure out what they've been doing in Germany. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad movie for me because of that, even if it was like, if you took this same script and had a competent crew make it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So if we agree that it's a horror movie, it can go on the list. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is going like right near the bottom.
1: Bottom of the list right now is Condemned to Live from Frank Strayer,
0: I believe. That was the one where the guy was born in darkest africa yeah and was like his mom was like bitten by a bat so he
1: so now he's like a he's like a science vampire like he, he 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 isn't a mythological vampire he's like a science vampire and he's like super old and he's the kindly doctor in the village so he's gonna marry the like young girl because he's the pillar of the community and she he's like 60 and she's like 20 and it's gross but she won't do anything about it cuz she respects him so much but hey conveniently he's also like a crazy murderer so he like he he like him and uh his assistant like throw themselves into a pit at the end of the movie so she oh, can yeah. marry the good guy or whatever that's currently the bottom of our list
0: i feel like this movie is a little bit better better than that
1: really i was going to say this is worse
0: okay why
1: Well, because Condemned to Live, I mean, it depends on what you want out of your bad movies. Once you're looking at bad movies, (laughs) it's kind of like a situation of, like, you take what little joys you can get, right? I could see an argument that Torture Ship is a little bit more fun to watch than Condemned to Live. And the reason why I would say that is because Torture Ship is so bad that it's a very easy movie to just get into like, the fun of ribbing it, like, riffing on it, right? Condemned to Live, I think Condemned to Live is more competently made. Like, not by much, but it is.
0: They were both trying different things. Like, here we saw them trying to do the spooky lighting, and they kind of got it a little bit with some silhouettes and stuff. Condemned to Live, they were trying to do that thing with lighting.
1: Yeah, they um, had like that. Like, you
0: can't let the light go out, but right. everything was so brightly lit. Regardless, you didn't really get that effect.
1: Yeah, and I think what it goes against Condemned to Live is Condemned to Live is boring. Yeah. Like, Condemned to Live was the one where, like, the writer tried to make everyone talk like it was the oh, 1800s. Yeah. And so all the dialogue was super boring. Torture ship is nonsense, but the nonsense makes it kind of entertaining in that way where it's so baffling that you're just laughing at the nonsense of it. I think that makes it a little bit better than... But I think it's worse made. Like, Condemned to Live was at least edited in such a way that I could follow the story. I knew it was going on. I could follow this. I kept telling
0: you, like, you were like, what? What? I don't. And I'm like, no, they. Bob is just pretending to be <laughs> drugged, Ben. It's fine. I. I. I, <laughs> I found, had no problem. I.
1: Okay. Condemned to Live doesn't condone human experimentation.
0: But it does condone the idea of, like, deepest, darkest Africa.
1: Yes. They the, both are like they're both you
0: know inherent criminality or yeah, like yeah
1: sure yeah they're both real bad i i feel like torture ship is is worse because like condemned to live was like shot on like those old sets left over from universal movies and stuff it had misha hour in it like i don't know
0: i just feel like if your horror movie is boring mm. like the point of horror is that tension. Right. Right? Like, there's a certain, like, you need to be interested in what's going on. We were interested in what was going on when Torture Ship, and you also were like, yeah, the idea of, like, the medical profession's <laughs> history of experimenting on people, that's fucking terrifying. Way more than the idea of, like, yeah, I was born in Africa,
1: <laughs> so I guess I'm bad? I mean, I was... Bitten by a vampire bat in the womb, so I'm bad. My
0: mom was bitten by right. a vampire bat while I was in her womb.
1: Vampire bats don't even come from Africa, condemned to live. Anyways, okay, what's right above condemned to live? House what's, of Mystery,
0: which I feel is this better is, than This yeah, shit.
1: This is way worse than House of Mystery. I mean, House of Mystery was also super incompetent, but I don't remember it, it being this bad. <laughs> That's really all it comes no, it, down it, to. It, it.
0: like, it... It, it worked as a movie, it just didn't understand how to make old dark house movies.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, yes, it was coherent in a way that Torture Ship is, Torture Ship is barely coherent. Like, the dialogue, the spoken aloud English dialogue in Torture Ship was about as coherent as when we watch foreign movies that we're having translated in the subtitles by Google Translate from us, Uh, and we're just guessing at what they're saying by context? Sure. Like, that's how the actual written dialogue in this movie was. Yeah. It was so bad, Sarah.
0: Yeah. I, I stand by Torture Ship going below House of Mystery and above Condemned to Live.
1: Oh... I mean, okay, I'll allow it because...
0: Because apparently this is the hill I'm choosing to die on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Ben! This garbage understand. movie! Um, no, I mean, I just want my utter disgust for this movie to be clear. For sure. But I will say that if you sat me down and you said, we're going to watch a movie it's either Torture Ship or Condemned to Live, I would watch Torture Ship again first because I know I would at least get, like, a barrel of laughs out of it, whereas Condemned to Live is like watching paint dry.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. Fine. Cool. So entering the list at number 71, below House of Mystery and above Condemned to Live, is Torture Ship from 1939... And Victor Halperin, our uh, our final Victor Halperin movie, he's gone down every single time he's appeared. So, good good yeah. career. Um, yeah. good.
0: If you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, ScreamScenePodcast.Tumblr.Com. There you will find links to the other Halperin Halperin film episodes. Uh, As well as an appeals box if you would like to contest either this or any other ranking, uh, you can reach us there. If Tumblr isn't your bag, you can also reach us at ScreamScenePodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at underscore ScreamScene.
1: ScreamScene updates every Wednesday on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. One of the ways that you can help out the show is by leaving us a rating or a review on whichever podcast service you listen to the show on, and allows people to make ratings and reviews. You can also help us out by just telling a friend about us, whether that's in person or on the internet, like on Twitter or something. I don't know. Share the show around. It really helps us out quite a lot. Another thing that helps us out a lot is money. So you can go to patreon.com slash screamscenepodcast if you feel like uh, you enjoy us enough to support the show monetarily. You can do so for... And you're able to? And you know, you're able to, yeah, you know, absolutely. No,
0: no, like, mother guilt trips
1: up no. in here. No pressure. Like, obviously times are tough all over. But if you can, we really appreciate it. You can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons at higher levels, like 5 and $10, get bonus audio cut from previous episodes and monthly horror writing from me. What are we watching next week, Ben? Next week, Sarah... We are back in the UK for a rated H for horrific movie. It's Bella Lugosi in The Dark Eyes of London.
0: Nice. Bella going across the pond.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I've heard good things.
0: Cool. Well, um, it'll at least be better than Torture Ship.
1: Yeah, guaranteed. 100% guaranteed. Yeah. yeah.
0: We will see you next week, Creatures of the Night. Bye. Bye.